So New Year is an exciting time for most people. Uh, many of you have just come back from holiday, have uh, enjoyed a time. I was on the beach with my family at New Year's watching the fireworks, although it was in a really small town, so it was really poor fireworks, but you know, they try, they try hard. And, and uh, it's that time of the year where you think about your life and you kind of take stock and you know, you get chain messages from all of your friends. Um, because like uh, I saw Ramon posted something that said that uh, nothing says you're special like a chain message. Um, so thank you for all of you that sent that to me as well. <clears throat> Sorry that I didn't respond. Um, so, you know, it's the celebration of this new year, and, and, and we love new beginnings. There's something in our hearts that, that, that craves new beginning and new start and a fresh start, and you know, the, the newest and the freshest beginning that we can ever have is in Jesus. Um, that's when your life really takes on a new beginning. That's when it new, really begins to look new and feel fresh. Uh, the Bible says that when we repent, when we turn to Jesus, when we turn away from the old life and we turn to the new life, it says times of refreshing will come. I love that because it sounds like when you're out on a hot day and then you finally find a swimming pool and it's nice and cool and you just dive in. That to me is the picture of a time of refreshing. And when we come to Jesus, a lot of people see it as burdensome and, and difficult and hard and, and, and sacrifice and, and it involves some of those moments. But ultimately what the Bible says is that when you turn to Jesus, you won't experience hardship, but you'll experience refreshing in your soul, in your spirit. There may still be some hardship on the outside, but in here you receive a freshness, a newness, a strength, a grace, and, and that's what we have. And so we love these new beginnings. We love to celebrate the arrival of the new year. And a lot of you may have sat down and done your new year's resolutions. And um, like mine was, as every year, is to eat more healthy. How many of you have got that down, eat more healthy? But before you can eat healthy, you first have to eat all the unhealthy things in your house so that you can have a new start the next day, right? So you're like, okay, I'll take a week and eat everything that I shouldn't, and then I'll start next Monday. And, and we kind of delay that start every week by week until it's the end of the year again. But, um, but we do that. We write down our resolutions. And um, we believe always at Anchor Church, we believe the best is, is yet to, be, to come. We believe this will be a year of moving forward for everybody. I'm gonna talk a little bit on, on vision and heart and, and building up to our Vision Sunday uh, on, the, on uh, the 28th of Feb, uh, sorry, of Jan, where we're gonna talk about uh, what we believe God has for us in 2018. There's a lot of exciting things that we're gonna share there. But this morning, I also wanted to just uh, be very honest with you in the fact that I know that a new year can bring a about for a lot of us as opposed to the celebrations and the fireworks and the resolutions and the commitments and, and all of the fun that we have over New Year's time, it can also be a time of real worry and concern and apprehension. And, and, and have you ever kind of, you know, when you were a kid and there was, you were running races with your friends and, and somebody counts one, two, three, and then you just delayed a little bit and then you're like, stop, 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 I wasn't ready, right? I wasn't ready. Um, for a lot of people, the start of a new year can feel that way. Like, I'm not quite ready for 2018. I don't feel like um, I, I've got my things in order. I don't feel like I have my ducks in a row. I don't feel like I'm ready to take on this year. And if I'm honest, I'm worried about a few things. I have some anxiety. I have some stress. Uh, you know, people worry about their finances. They worry about their careers. They worry about uh, their jobs. Like, what will happen in my career? What will happen in my job? If I start a new company, will it come off the ground? Will I be able to provide for my family? Will I be able to um, you know, to, to do what is in my heart to do. Are those things gonna be successful? So a lot of people worry about their family. Can I uh, be the dad that my kids need this year or the mom that, 
that my kids need or the husband or the wife that my spouse needs. Um, I'm worried about my family at times and, and, and how will things go for them? Will, will, will my kids be okay? Um, you know, we're not immune as Christians. We have a great hope but we're not immune to these kinds of thoughts that can overcome us in times like this. And I'm not immune, even though I'm a pastor and, and I really do believe in the grace of God, I really believe in, in the faithfulness of God, I have no doubt in my heart about how faithful God is. I've seen his kindness, I've seen his goodness again and again and again, but still I'm not immune to moments of anxiety and to moments of, of stress or worry. And so uh, courage, the courage to move forward, the courage to do what God has called us to do and to walk in everything that God has for us it doesn't mean that we never have those moments. It means that we're able to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus through those moments, amen? It doesn't mean that you haven't experienced anxiety or you haven't experienced apprehension or stress. It just means that in the stress, you draw your strength from somewhere else and you keep pressing on. You draw your strength from Jesus and from his goodness and his faithfulness. And so my question today in this message that I wanna share with you um, is what do we do when we worry about the future? What should we do or when we, we struggle to get over the past or when we're fighting battles in the present? What should we, we focus on? I'm gonna share with you a little bit about how I encourage myself. Like the Bible says that uh, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now you can actually strengthen yourself by fixing your eyes on Jesus. What do I do in those moments? And I hope this is gonna encourage you as we head into the beginning of, of 2018 and all that lies ahead. I'm gonna start off with Hebrews 13, verse eight, a well-known scripture. If you have your Bibles here, you can just mark it, you can take notes. I wanna encourage you to take some notes this year. Make that a resolution um, that you are gonna take some notes and that you're gonna grow in your, in your walk with God. And this is, there's some things that we can do to aid us and to help us fix our eyes on Jesus in a practical way and uh, taking notes and getting into the word and making sure that you're, that you're putting the faith and that you're, you're, you're showing yourself the faithfulness of God through his word again and again and again, strengthening yourself in that way. Um, but Hebrews 13, eight simply says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I wanna share a message with you this morning entitled Yesterday, Today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same. I remember when I started in ministry, um, as I mentioned earlier, I was 21 years old. Um, I started in uh, quite a large church, um, you know, a couple thousand members, um, and there was a, a pastor there, a lady that had been a pastor at that church for many, many years, 30 years plus, and she came to me on my first day um, in full-time ministry, and she said to me, I want to just remind you that the only constant in ministry is change. Uh, just make sure that you get used to change because change is gonna be happening all of the time. And it is proven so true. Things constantly are changing and even in our own lives, we go through seasons. And those seasons are sometimes, you get your seasons that are just good seasons, easy seasons, or, or, or seasons where we are able to just enjoy and sit back a little bit more. And then you get your difficult seasons, which when you know God and when you have Jesus on your side are also good seasons because we know God does many things in our hearts through those moments. In fact, oftentimes more than when we just have a, an easy season. But we go through these times. We go through good times, we go through bad times, through difficult times, through hard times, through challenges and setbacks. And... Um, and some people get to the end of January and they're already wishing that 2018 would be over. They're like, this year is gonna be a better year. Some, some, like somehow that because, you know, 
the calendar knows that we've switched over to 2018. All the bad things are just going to go away. The challenges are going to stop, and now it's just going to be a great year. Like people think about years in that way. Like they don't ever really see it that it, it contains both. Every year has challenges and has difficulties along with the good. So some people get to the end of January and they already wish that it would be over, that we would be in the next year. But through all the change and all of the uncertainty that we face as human beings living here on earth, there's one thing that remains unchanged and that is Jesus and his commitment to us. That's the one thing that we can bank on this morning. That's the one thing that we can build our house on this morning. That's the one thing that we can be sure of that will not change no matter what else changes in our lives is that God is committed to you, that his love is for you, that he sent his own son when we were in desperate need of saving from ourselves, from the penalty and the power of sin, he did not even withhold his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. That's the commitment of God to you. And if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why would we ever think that God would then stop being that committed to us? But we do sometimes. We think that God was committed to me yesterday, but for some reason, something that I've done or something that I thought or something in my faith prevents him from continuing in faithfulness towards me. Jesus is the unchanging person. He is the completely consistent one. And his love for us does not fluctuate. Isn't it good to know this morning that even though our love for Jesus fluctuates, like I have days where I am honestly such a great Christian. Like, I mean, I am on fire for the Lord. I am worshiping in my car. I'm praying for people and they're getting healed. I'm, you know, I'm walking around. People are getting saved, healed, delivered. You know, birds are... I don't know, I don't know, there's always birds involved and they're like circling ahead, they're super excited and, and, and then there are days where I'm just, you know, I, I feel like, I feel just like many of you do, like it, it feels like my prayers aren't working, is God really hearing me, is he out there, you know, you, you kind of have those moments but even though my faith fluctuates and even though my commitment even fluctuates, God's commitment to me doesn't. He is faithful even when we are faithless. This is the God that we serve, the unchanging one, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so James 1 verse six to seven says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. I love that, the Father of lights. It's just light. When you, when you deal with God, you're dealing with truth and love and light alone, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He, God is, is the father of lights, the father of, if you think about the planets and the stars and all the lights in the sky, as they turn, we have shadows. You have uh, the dark side of the moon and the dark side of the planets and you have solar eclipses and even the lights in the sky have, have moments of turning and moments of variation and moments of shadow. But God is the father of lights. He is the author of light. And so in him, there is no shadow. There's no variation. He is never gonna relent on being faithful to his word towards you. His promises are true and they remain true every single day of your life and they will never change no matter how far into the future we go. Isn't that amazing to know? So, so every good and perfect gift, it comes from God. It's a gift. It's not a salary. It's not a wage. It's not something that you earned. It's his gift because God is faithful. Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence. Just turn to the person next to you right now. And just admonish them this morning, don't throw away your confidence, come on. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
There is a great reward in us holding on, keeping our confidence and holding on to the confidence that we have in Jesus. And I love that I can trust in Jesus in this way. I love that I can believe and trust that he remains true in all of my inconsistency, in all of my imperfection, in all of my flawedness. I know that God remains true. But the enemy will always want to rob you of your courage. The enemy will always want to rob you of your courage. It speaks about when uh, people found the disciples uh, just after the time of Jesus and it said that, that they, they, they were amazed seeing the disciples because they were ordinary men yet they recognized that they had been with Jesus because of the great courage that they had, the boldness that they had. Like we're just ordinary people but we have this great boldness because our confidence comes from the unchanging nature of Christ. We can have a greater boldness and a greater courage and a greater confidence than any other community on, on planet earth because we know in whom we have believed. We know who our God is and we know his faithfulness. So keep your confidence. Don't let you yourself be robbed of your courage. Hold on to your courage. We're gonna move forward with courage this year. But there are a few things that I know have robbed me of my courage in the past where I have had to encourage myself again or be encouraged through the word again. And I wanna quickly uh, just move through those three things this morning that can rob us of our courage. The first one is the pain of the past. The pain of the past can rob us of our courage. It can rob us of our strength. It can, it can wear you down. You know, it's like when you, when you are really pumped on, you know, your first week in January back after holiday to get back into the gym because you, you know, you've, you're committed and you're gonna go out there and you're gonna do the thing and then five minutes in, you're dying. You're dying, right? You just want it all to end and you're like, I think I've done enough. It's amazing how, how easy we go on ourselves. Like five minutes in, look, I broke a sweat. I'm going home right now. I'm having a cappuccino. Um, because we're all, all very excited, but life and activity and hardship can wear us down and it can rob us of our courage. It can, it can rob us of our strength and our virtue. And so the pain of the past can do that. 2017, for me, was one of the toughest years of my entire life, and many of you know my journey, but that also means that it was a year of incredible growth and incredible grace. Because one thing is, that is true, that God never leaves you uh, in your moments of difficulty. In fact, he, he, he is more present and, 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 and more, he, he's louder in your ear. God is so present when we go through hardship. Uh, in the time of Israel, when Israel were still enslaved by Egypt, uh, the Bible says that the people cried out and God said to Moses, I have come down because I have heard my people's cries. I have heard their cries and I have come down to deliver them. So God sees this and, and he hears our cries and, and so he is very present. Um, you know, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, pain is the megaphone through which God rouses a deaf world. He, through our pain, God speaks so clearly and so loudly. But sometimes the pain that we experience, the hardship that we go through, the difficulties that we face can have a lasting effect. If we don't allow God to heal our hearts, if we don't face up to those things, if we bury them deep down and we don't bring them up and say, Jesus, I need your help. I have this pain. I struggle with this thing and I need you to work through it with me. And we don't open ourselves up to that. Oftentimes those things can have a lasting effect on our lives. We can, we can walk in a, in a crippled way almost into the future. 
I remember when I uh, played rugby and I, I was having a great season when I was in high school and I uh, went on tour to Italy and uh, had a couple of my best games ever, I felt, my whole life, some of my best games. Um, and I went to play a game in Modena and it was a really rainy day and there was a lot of mud around and we ended up playing this under-23 side because they only have club sides in Italy and, um, and the one lock was about 126 kilograms. Um, we couldn't get the ball, we couldn't do anything um, and so my coach said to me, he shouted from the sideline that I should play scrum off. I played flank but now I'm playing scrum half. We just want to get the ball for just like five minutes. Like, Please guys, can we have the ball? And, um, and so I went into the scrum off position and at one point the ball got turned over and this big 126 kilogram guy picks up the ball, comes around the ruck. I just dive on him like, you know, like when a locust sits on you, you know, like I just dove on him, grabbed onto his shirt and pulled him down. But unfortunately, when he came down, um, he fell on my wrist this way and broke my wrist. Um, and I was just like lying there in the mud. The Italian referee, no one speaks English out there. The Italian referee ran up, he picked it up. It was like all dangling. He was like, it's broken. And he ran off again. And... Um, and so I was out for a couple of weeks and this wrist needed an operation, all kinds of things. And I remember feeling fear about coming back into the game. I wondered if I, simple things like, do I still know how to catch a ball? Do I still know how to run? Do, will, I, will, will I be able to tackle? Or is this just like the end of it? You know, your, your confidence can take a knock when you go through an injury. And that's what happened to me at that time. And it took me a couple of games to get my confidence back after I returned uh, after my wrist had healed. And so in the same way, when we go through difficult things, when things hurt us, especially, um, we, we sometimes lack in confidence coming back into the game. We don't know if, if, if we have what it takes. And emotional hurt especially can be like that. All of a sudden, we're afraid to trust. All of a sudden, we're, we're afraid to uh, get involved in a relationship. All of a sudden, we're afraid to take a risk or afraid to try if we failed at something. We, we might even be afraid to forgive people because forgiving them means opening up your heart again. That's why we struggle with forgiveness. If I forgive, it means that I have to act as if I've forgiven. And if I act as if I've forgiven, it means I need to make myself vulnerable again. That means I could get hurt again. So you know what? I'm just gonna hold on to this bitterness a while longer, right? And so it can knock us. It can rob us of our confidence. Maybe you've made some mistakes and maybe they weren't even so much mistakes as a thing that you did deliberately or, or kept doing deliberately. We all have human moments and sinful moments and, and, and these moments can rob us of our confidence before God when we don't understand the gospel. But the scripture says that Jesus was the same yesterday. I love that. It could have just said he's, you know, he's just the same today and tomorrow, you know, he's just always gonna be the same. But it says that yesterday, Jesus was the same. In your life, in your yesteryear, in your past, in 2017, in the year gone by or the years gone by, Jesus was present and he was the same Jesus today as he is today. In fact, he died for your sins 2,000 years before you even committed your sins. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world, before anything was even created, Jesus was already slain for you because God knew that you would need his grace in the future. God exists outside of time. We only experience his grace in the moment of time, but we can be confident of this thing, that the thing that is holding you back from your past, Jesus is full of grace. He has forgiven you. He has strengthened you. He is helping you. And you can let go of the pain of the past. You can forgive. You can trust again. You can try again. You can risk again because he is faithful. Amen? 
Come on, God is gonna bring uh, healing to you because Jesus is the same yesterday. He has completely done all that we need for our future through the cross. God didn't withhold his own son from, uh, for, from us, as I mentioned before, but he gave him up for us all. That's what God did when we were in need. That's his heart. And so we need to understand that the grace of God has released us from sin. Don't be held prisoner or be held captive any longer to your past, to your mistakes, to your failures. The grace of God has released you from the power of the past, from the power of sin. Not only just, people think grace is for the penalty of sin. Well, I was gonna be penalized for my sin, but grace doesn't just release you from the penalty of sin, it releases you from the power of sin, from the ability of that past to dictate your today, to rule over your tomorrow. So Jesus is the same yesterday. Philippians 3, 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Even the apostle Paul says, I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own yesterday. He was, he's already made me his own, so today I can press on. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal it to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What have we attained? We have attained the mercy and the grace of God. Let's hold true to it. You have been forgiven in your past. So hold true to that. Hold true to the fact that Jesus has wiped away the sins of your past, that it cannot be held against you. Hold true to that. Forget what lies behind and let's push forward. Eyes up front. Let's keep moving in the direction that God has for us. Let's keep pressing on and keep moving forward. Amen? Come on, we're gonna do that this year. We're gonna keep pressing on. So the first thing that can rob your confidence is, is the, the, the pain of the past. But what about the battles of the present? What about the, 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 the things that you are facing right now? You want to just enjoy the year, you know, when everybody's out partying and, and having fun and you know, watching really poor fireworks on the beach, and, 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 but you're sitting with all these fears and anxieties and challenges that are happening in your life right now. And it's like every time, you, you, you almost might, sometimes this happens to me where I'm facing a big challenge and then I forget about it for a moment. I'm like, wait, why do I feel like, it's almost like there's a pebble in your shoe. You just, you can't run unhindered because, and you're like, oh yeah, that thing is going on. And, 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 and it, can, it can rob you of your confidence and of your joy in everyday life. What about the battles of the present? It's so easy to say these things like, yes, I'm just gonna have faith, I'm gonna have courage, I'm gonna have strength when you're not in the middle of the crisis. But when it's you facing the crisis, you find out that we really do need Jesus. We really do need his grace. We really do need faith. Um, I don't know if you've ever judged, I do this sometimes, um, I judge people for coughing. Anybody ever judge coughers? <laughs> Because when you're not sick, you can't understand how a person is coughing, right? Like, what is wrong with you? Get healthy, get some meds, go to, go to the gym, go to the pharmacy, you know, eat some lettuce. I don't know what you need to do, but can you stop coughing, right? And then like two weeks later, you're sick and you're coughing and people are looking at you and you're like, oh, this is, now I get it. You know, you have, like, I feel so bad for judging those other people. But then two weeks after that, you're better and you hear somebody coughing, you're like, what is wrong with you? Why are you coughing? You know, like, 
maybe, maybe it's just me and all of you are going to be worried about coughing around me. I'm, I'm really, it's not that bad, okay? So, but the thing is, it's easy to judge people that are going through a difficult time and say, well, that's because they haven't got their lives right or that's because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing until you're the one going through the challenge. And you realize it's not as easy as it seems. We love to judge people from a position of strength, but people face real battles. And in that battle, it's real. It, it, it's difficult. It's hard. It can be a challenge to your faith. It's a different story when it's, when it's you in that place going through that hardship. As a pastor, uh, people often think that pastors don't really face battles. They don't really go through difficult times, that we mostly just preach sermons and play golf, which is a lot of what I do. Um, <laughs> but I was just, I, I want to play more golf this year because um, I didn't actually get to do that much last year. But the point is, I do more than that, okay? I love the question when people say, what do you do like Monday, Monday to Friday? Like, do you just work Sundays? They think that being a pastor is literally the best job in the world, uh, which it is. It is the dream job, but, it's, but it doesn't mean that we don't face battles. It doesn't mean that I don't face battles. Um, and like every other person or every other pastor, there's a couple of battles that I face. And I want to mention a couple to them, uh, to you this morning, um, because I hope that it will encourage you. The first battle that I have to face is the battle of feeling inferior or inferiority or insecurity. Do I have what it takes? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. You want to step out. You want to be courageous. You want to do something. There's always this balance between competency and courage. I would like to be courage, uh, courageous, but am I competent enough to do what I need to do? And so we can become fearful and insecure. And all of a sudden, when you're insecure, you're looking to other people to give you that security and you're, you're trying to bolster yourself so that you can move forward and you, know, you get disappointed or you, you know, you, you're trying to be, you try too hard to be like somebody else because you think it works for them, so probably it'll, it'll work for me. And, and you kind of, you find yourself in this space where because of insecurity and inferiority, you can actually lose your identity. You can lose who am I and who am I called to be and can I courageously, unapologetically walk in the calling that God has given me even though it may look different from every other pastor and every other person out there. Can you do that in your life, in your career, in your family, in your home? Are you constantly measuring yourself and comparing yourself because that really is the root of inferiority. The root of inferiority is, is comparison. It's when you're comparing yourself to others that you begin to feel inferior. And I have to face that battle in my own life. I feel it often. I feel that if I was a little bit more like this or if I could preach a little bit better like that or if I, you know, if I had a different look or a different style or even a different voice or a different leadership or, or a different personality, then maybe I could be better than what I am now. Maybe I could try to be like that other pastor that's really great or, or really successful. And so this is a battle that we have to fight. And all of us go through this where we feel like we're not good enough. We're not a good enough parent or a good enough spouse or uh, a good enough boss or, uh, you know, that, we, that we're not going to be able to make a success of our career or, or finish our studies or, or do whatever it is we have in our heart to do. So we, we battle the sense of, of inferiority. And that's why I love 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 and 6, because what it says is it says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. This is where that confidence, remember, keep your confidence. This is where it comes from. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves, your confidence does not come from being sufficient in and of yourself. Not that we are sufficient in and of ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. 
You see, we, we, we're not looking to ourselves to try and follow Christian rules or Christian principles because whenever I've tried to be the perfect principle uh, adherent and, and, and do everything that I'm supposed to do according to principles, then the, it's up to me to do those things. And when I fail, I feel inferior. But our sufficiency to walk in the calling that God has for us and for you to walk in the calling that God has for you does not come from you. It comes from how Jesus has made you sufficient. You are already sufficient. You are already equipped. You already have everything that you need to do what God has called you to do. And we therefore walk with God and walk in our calling, not according to the letter, not according to principles and rules, but according to the Spirit. So what's the answer to inferiority? The answer is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, your sufficiency, and to be filled with the Spirit. Be moved by the Spirit. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and his sufficiency and be moved by the Spirit. He has made us competent. The second battle I face is temptation. Like all of us, I am tempted in many different areas and tempted by my thoughts, tempted by, again, my insecurities, things that I wish I could be, things that I wish I could have. And we all face temptation. Temptation is a, a reality that we go through. We're all tempted to be a little bit more self-serving and a little bit more greedy and a little bit more about us than we care to admit. This is something that we all face. But temptation is really not a test of your self-control. A lot of people think that temptation is a test of self-control. Can you control yourself? Temptation is not so much a test of self-control as it is a test of your relationship with God. In other words, do you believe in the love that God has for you? Do you believe in his commitment towards you? Do you believe that even self-control, remember in Ephesians 5, it lists self-control as a fruit of the spirit, not a fruit of self, not a fruit of something that we can do. The ability to control yourself does not come from yourself. It comes from Jesus. It's a fruit of God's spirit at work within your life. So it's a test of relationship. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, now some people think that Jesus was saying, hey, I, I wanna see, do you really love me? Because if you really did, you wouldn't break my commandments. And then some people feel really condemned when they, when they break the commandments of God because they think to themselves, well, I'm, I don't really love Jesus and Jesus. You know, it's like, it's like we've, we've fallen apart in our relationship with God, but this is actually what Jesus is saying. The more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the more you will be able by his grace to overcome your temptations and to fulfill his commandments. The Bible talks about the commandment of love and the law of love. And it says against love, there is no law. There is, it covers a multitude of sin. In other words, if you want to walk more faithfully in everything that God has for you, denying sin and denying temptation, don't focus on keeping the commandments, focus on loving Jesus. Because out of loving Jesus, you will naturally keep the commandments. What side of the comma are you living on? Don't keep the commandments in order to love Jesus. Love Jesus in order to keep the commandments. We love him and out of that comes faithfulness. So the answer to temptation is to be in love with Jesus. The answer to temptation is to be in love with Jesus. The Bible is impossible unless you're in love, unless you're walking in the grace of God. 
And that's how we overcome temptation. The third one is rejection. Is rejection. Now, somebody once told me that if you can't get used to uh, rejection, you cannot lead a church. You will face rejection over and over and over and over again, and, and people will pick you apart, will have something to say about every situation, uh, whether it's in your, in your private or your personal life or your public life. People will always have an opinion, and, uh, and, and you've got to get used to people wanting to reject you. And I remember um, there was somebody in our church um, a year or two ago that, that was, was here and was around, was kind of involved, we're just starting to get involved, and we really loved this family, and, and, uh, and then we didn't see them again, and we tried again and again, Will and I, we tried to reach them, we tried to find out how they were doing, we sent multiple requests to meet up with them and, and just connect with them, which is really difficult to do when you're only a handful of staff and you're, you, you know, your church has grown, and we've got a lot of people, but we, we wanted to follow up with this family, and, and so eventually I thought, he's not answering my calls, he's not responding to emails, they're not getting back to us with the time to meet, so I'm just going to send him a voice note um, on WhatsApp, and I'm just going to say, hey, we hope you're doing well, we're thinking about you, how are things going, uh, we haven't seen you around Anchor, and we want to just make sure uh, that you guys are okay, and, and I remember I got a response uh, where he said, well, they've, they've left Anchor, um, and so I said, okay, well, can you let me know, is there something we can do, is there something that happened, whatever, and, and what he said was, look, um, I'm taking the time to send you this message, so I might as well be honest with you. I just really don't like you. It's, it's, it's not me, it's you. you know, it's like, <laughs> I really don't like you. I don't like your leadership. I don't like your face. I don't like who you are. I, I think you're fake. I think, literally, long message. He, was, he started off talking about how he was making ravioli and then went on into this. <laughs> just very almost like blasé about what I'm gonna say about you. And I remember going, okay, listening to the gang, okay, Jesus, help me, Jesus, take the wheel. You've you got to get used to that rejection. It's a, it's a battle because people will reject you and they, they won't always like you. And I can tell you one thing, like we're not a perfect church, I'm not a perfect pastor, we're not perfect people, we're not a perfect team. We try to be healthy and we want to be a healthy church, but it still hurts when people come out and they say, you know, we just don't want to go to your church just purely because we don't like you and your leadership. And you've got to get used to that if you're going to lead. You've got to get used to rejection if you're going to do something that matters. This is where we have to have the courage to be who God has called us and created us to be. I cannot live my life being fearful of who may reject me because then I will become a slave to every opinion and every wind that blows through our church because I will try to constantly adapt so that people wouldn't reject me. And so I had to come to a place where I said, I know who I am. I know who God has called me to be. I know who we are as a church, the values and the heart and the vision that God has given us. And this is who we are. And we love you and we want you to be on a journey with us, but you don't need to be if you don't feel that you want to be. We're not forcing anybody on this. We're going and you can come with us. And that was a, that was a, a real challenge but the answer to this fear of, of rejection, this battle of rejection, is to know who you are in Christ. The answer is to know who you are in Christ, to know who God has created you to be. Like it says in Psalm 139, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has intricately woven you together in your mother's womb, and every single one of your days was ordained before there was even one of them. And I always take courage in the fact that God chose to call me 
and to call you and to call our team and to call every leader in this church, knowing exactly who they are, knowing exactly what their flaws would be, knowing exactly what imperfections they would have, knowing exactly what challenges they would face, knowing exactly what mistakes they would make, God still chose to call us. We're still here today. And so again, we forget what lies behind. We press on and we do it in the confidence of the value and the worth and the significance that we have in Christ. You will be robbed of your confidence when people reject you if you don't know who you are in Jesus. Understand that in him you are blessed, you are forgiven, you are graced, you are righteous, you are holy, you are equipped, you are called, you're valuable in his sight. That's who we are in Christ. And so what we're able to do, because we know who we are, when people reject us, we can do what it says in Luke 6, 27 and 28, which is to just love them, to bless them, to do good to them, and to pray for them. That's what we can do. That, that's not normal. That's not what I wanted to do when I got that message. I sent a message, something along those lines, where I said, that's okay. If you feel that way about me, that's okay. You're allowed to. I wanna let you know that we feel differently about you. We love you, we love your family, and we only hope good things for your future. That's what we get to do when we know who we are in Christ. But still, rejection is a battle. The fourth one is discouragement. Discouragement, anybody ever feel discouraged? Especially beginning of the year, so much to do, so many things. We face the, the battle of discouragement. When it comes to pastors, they say 50% of pastors, and this was a study done in the US, would leave ministry if they could. 70% are discouraged, 80% are depressed, and 90% experience loneliness. These are some of the battles that we face. And in your life, you may have felt the same way. That feeling of discouragement, nobody cares. Are things gonna work out for me? Am I gonna be able to attain the things I have in my heart? And the answer is community. The answer is don't get alone. The answer is don't face that battle by yourself. You have to have a friend that knows what you're thinking. Somebody that you can go to, that you can talk to, that you can express those feelings when they come up, when you go through those battles. Just somebody that can be honest with you. Somebody that will sit down with you and say, how is your soul? Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a community like that? We wanna be that community as a church. That's why we've got our Connect Sunday coming up on the 11th of February. And on that Sunday, we wanna launch all of our connect groups for this first semester of the year. And we wanna, we wanna make sure that every single person has a community, has a small group, has a place that they can sit down and where they can be able to form the kind of relationships when, where when they need it, they can say, I need help. I need support. I'm feeling discouraged. Don't go at it alone. We is always better than me. When it comes to our faith journey, we is always better than me. The fifth one that we face is demonic attack. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the, of, the, of the wiles, the strategies, the schemes of the enemy of the devil. He has strategies and schemes and things that he purposefully does to discourage us, to attack us and to wear us down, to rob us of our confidence. And if you're gonna step out and do what God has called you to do in 2018, you gotta know that there will be resistance. There's a spiritual element to all of this, a, a spiritual resistance. And if you're gonna do what God has called you to do, you have to learn to fight in Christ, 
to stand in Christ, no matter what comes against you, to continue to stand. God never said that weapons wouldn't be formed against us. He said that they wouldn't prosper. He never said that there will be no weapon formed against you. He said no weapon formed against you will prosper. And so we can take hold of that today because Jesus is the same yesterday, but he's also the same today. Your battles for today, he's the same. He's the same loving God that died for you on the cross. He's the same God that sent his own son. He's the same God that, that reached into your life. He is the same God that has been faithful to you in every single day of your life and will remain faithful to you today. When you face those battles, you can know that Jesus is with you and he is fighting on your behalf, that we are protected in him. And so what we get to do is we get to just worship the name of Jesus. We just get to worship him and keep our eyes fixed on him, knowing that he is our protection, that, that our faith in him is our shield that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. Psalm 18.3 says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Jesus has already overcome the enemy. We, we face a defeated foe when we face demonic attack. So we've got the pain of the past. Those are some of the battles that I've faced and the battles of the present. But the final thing that can rob you of your, of your confidence is a fear of the future. Is when you, you feel like, you may have feel like you've, you've dealt with the pain of the past and you've, you, you, you've come through the, the most of the battles of your, of your present, but what's gonna happen tomorrow? What is gonna happen in the future? Whenever we begin to think that life is up to us, ultimately, that's when we become fearful. It's like Peter walking on water. He steps out of the boat and he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus and he's doing the impossible. But it's the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the wind and he looked at the waves and, and he recognized his own inability to walk on water that he began to sink, to sink. That's what happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus, that we, we, we think that life is all up to me, that I have to do this, that I have to do the impossible, that I have to walk on water, that I have to make it all happen. My kids love watching animations like all kids do. And so um, this, this holiday, they uh, rediscovered uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Don't know if anybody's ever watched that about the dog that adopts a little boy. Um, and there's this line that just made me laugh out loud uh, when, when, I, when I heard it in Mr. Peabody and Sherman. But basically, um, uh, Sherman finds, uh, I think it was Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine and he's up in the air flying it. And, uh, and Mr. Peabody, the dog, um, calls up to him and he says, Sherman, what are you doing up there? And he says, I'm flying. And then he says, but Sherman, you don't know how to fly. And then uh, Sherman says, I don't. And all of a sudden he starts falling like, he was flying fine when, when, when he thought he could do it. But the moment somebody told me, but you can't actually do that, then he started to just, just fall. And that's, that's really what it's like when you lose your confidence in Jesus. It's sometimes, you know, you're walking on water, like, hey, Peter, what are you doing? Hey, I'm walking on water. But Peter, you can't walk on water. I can't, and you just start sinking, you know, you just, it, when, you rob, when you're robbed of your confidence, when you, keep your, when you take your eyes off of Jesus, when you begin to look at your own inability rather than Christ's ability, that's when we falter, that's when we fail, that's when we begin to sink, that's when, when we lose our confidence. So we've got to keep our confidence in the fact that Jesus is building something through your life. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So he has taken your life individually as a project. God has taken your life as a project and he is at work. He is the one that is doing and creating and shaping and molding. 
1 Samuel 14, verse 6. I'm coming in for a landing here this morning. 1 Samuel 14, 6 says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Let's go, let's go charge into this battle. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. I love the fact that when it comes to our future, nothing can hinder God from saving. We can charge right into the battle. We can charge right into the future. We can courageously and, and, and boldly charge right into every part of God's plan for our lives because nothing can hinder God from saving us. When he decides to save us, he saves us. And we are saved and we remain saved and we keep moving forward. Corey Ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We might not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, the old song said. We know who holds the future. Your future is not up to you. Don't look to yourself. Keep your eyes fixed on this known God, His goodness, His faithfulness, because He is the same, not only yesterday, to forgive you of the pain of the past and to help you through the pain of the past. He is the same, not only just today, to help you with your battles of the present, but He is also the same not just tomorrow, but forever. Forever. He will be the same. He will never change. So whether it's in 2018 or in 2080, no matter how far into the future we go, Jesus remains the same. It may be a new year, but it's the same Jesus. It's the same faithful, loving, gracious God that we serve, that loves us and gave his son up for us all. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord. Take your burdens, take your, your, your hardships, your fears, your anxiety, and cast it onto the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your burdens unto God because he cares for you. Isaiah 41 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will strengthen you, I will uphold you. And the righteous right hand, I love that Jesus, after having died on the cross, after having done everything to secure our righteousness and our salvation, sat down at the right hand of God. He is the righteous right hand of God. And through Jesus, we will be strengthened, we will be sustained, we will be equipped, we will be, we will be made right with God. We will be helped. He cares for you. Keep your confidence. Keep your courage. Keep your strength. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We don't allow the pain of the past, the battles of the present, nor the fear of the future to keep us from pressing on in the direction that God has for us because we know that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. I trust that that encourages you for this year ahead and that we can all look forward to the great things that God has for us, not looking to ourselves, but looking to Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray together this morning.